there was, uh, and this is all in the early 80s, you had your super friends, you know, on the DC side of things. And of course, Superman the movie with Christopher Reeve and Superman 2 were yes. on constant rotation. We recorded those off of the ABC movie of the week, you know, and so you know, <laughs> I wore out a videotape yep. uh, with, with those movies. Love, love, love them. And I really didn't get into comics proper until I was 10 or 11 years old and and started with Marvel. And uh, I remember even as like a 10 or 11-year-old kid walking into a bookstore that sold comics and seeing a, a Superman comic, not knowing what was going on at the time over in the DC mm -hmm. universe, but seeing a Superman comic where I just kind of flipped through and at the end, Superman is in a lip lock with Wonder Woman. And this is how quickly my geek brain turn, turned on and became, you know, this was the nascent version of the Internet in my life. Right. I looked at it, I said, well, Superman's supposed to be with Lois, not Wonder Woman. And I put it down. I said, I'll never read a DC comic. <laughs> and, um, and I went full Marvel. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we proudly present... Our spectacular show of podcast magic and imagination full of Disney wonder, news, and pop culture. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast with Jen Novotny and David Dollar. Hey, Jen. Hey, Dave. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast. Podcast. It is the Main Street Electrical Podcast. I am Dave, and that is Jen. And we're going to be talking Marvel today. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, to, to talk Marvel, we had to bring in somebody who is an expert at all things Marvel, all things comic books, all things mm -hmm. Star Wars, pop culture. And unfortunately, they weren't able to make it. So I called my friend Steve. Ah, just kidding. Uh, Steve is exactly all of that and more. He is uh, the the proprietor, owner, the grand poobah of podcasting of the Geek Out Loud <laughs> Podcasting <laughs> Network. Um, he's been a friend of mine for a while. The, he has a, a following, which I don't think he understands his following, a massive following that just follows him to every mm -hmm. show. And uh, really, we just have him on to hopefully pick up some of his listeners. But Steve, how you doing, sir? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm on my best behavior because it's a new show. But Dave, you know how this will go. Eventually, I'll I know. get comfortable, and yeah, and it'll be that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> we're we're actually. Well, I'm sure we will end up getting to the defense of the of the sequels pretty soon, and we'll just kind of well, let it go from there. Star yeah, Wars and there, just there, branch yeah, off. Somehow, and, yeah, somehow it always devolves into that, does? <laughs> Jen's like, later on, Jen will be like, "How did we talk about the evolution of body wars in Cranium Command?" I don't know. It just that's just how it happens with Steve. <laughs> so, top of the show, Steve. How did you Disney this week? I guess the closest I came to Disneying this week was um, on Saturday. I went to see Return of the Jedi. Ah, um, yes. Some of the best Star Wars since Empire Strikes Back. It was so good. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, had such a great time. <laughs> you know, no spoilers or anything, but man, um, I it was. I there were so many questions I had going in. I, obviously, I knew they weren't going to show the original theatrical version of the movie. Right. But I was just kind of wondering, well, what are they going to, which one are they going to, and they ended up doing, I believe it's the Blu-ray release where. With Anakin at the end. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anakin at the end, but also 
Well, was it the Blu-ray, or was it not until the digital release they had the? No, I, I no, that I couldn't tell you. I know there's Anakin at the end, and then it shows all the planets, including Naboo, cheering when the Empire is destroyed, and and yeah. so um, Anakin yeah. in the end was definitely the Blu-rays, and then I believe it might have been the digital releases with mm-hmm. uh, the no at the end, but <laughs> right. it, it, it was all there, and so it was Disney's. I guess it's Disney's official Return of the Jedi, but it was we had such a good time. Um, it was, I was sitting next to a dude who. He was he was a younger guy and he was totally into everything, you know. So this this guy would mm-hmm. uh, there's my when Luke would come up, there's my boy, you know, and then I'm solo calling, there's my boy, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, that seat on the other side of you is empty. We don't have to be right next to one another. It's it's it was simple Star Wars, and and I'm a I'm a person with a movie that I I can forgive a lot of things, plot holes and silly things. If the movie is good, if the movie's not good, I pick the movie apart. Uh, Return of the Jedi, there are some silly moments to it. There's some little holes here and there, but the movie was good, and I was like overlooking all of that. And I'm like, this is before midichlorians. This is before we knew anything about the sequels or the prequels. This is before any of that. This is when Star yeah. Wars was innocent, and he just loved it. It was just it was great. It was wonderful. We, we get down uh, to the end, and you've got the shot of the entire you know cast basically from mm-hmm. you know the good guys at least and they're just sitting there enjoying the ewok celebration and it iris is out you know and 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 i looked at my wife and i said that's how you end a star wars movie mm-hmm. you know, that's that's how a star wars movie is meant to end and and i'm like you know what this is star wars and yeah. i'm i'm good if there's nothing ever after this again and and not that i haven't enjoyed certain things and of course i'll be talking with that with your other podcasting partner dave on his right so uh, right actually tonight and um mm-hmm. but but yeah it was just a it was so much fun and uh and i guess that's the closest i came to disneying this week was seeing return of the jedi hey that works mm-hmm. that works my, my disney this week was that but i also saw that on friday but also i am immersed in disney lego because disney 100 is introducing all of these new sets and i'm just watching amazon i'm like oh i can't handle you know, you've got the the even Wally set coming out, and you've got the the, the Mickey and the Tinkerbell and the Chip and Dale sets coming out. You've, now you've got the the they reintroducing for the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. Jedi. They're introducing new Return of the Jedi sets, including a diorama set of the speeder chase with, on the speeder bikes with Leia, mm-hmm. Luke, and Leia. And and I'm like, where can I find seventy dollars? I've got to find seventy dollars somewhere in the budget, somewhere somehow, and sneak it out of the budget with my my wife knowing. And I'm like, well, you know, we we bought a bunch of stuff for my son. I that's why that's why seventy bucks is missing from the account. It's just it's I, I got to stop looking at I got to stop looking at all the Lego stuff because it's 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 killing me because I I I want yet I cannot have it's a problem we all face first world problem. Jen, how did you Disney this week? Um, well, I mean, other than my every morning drinking out of a Disney mug, because I do, I am wearing my Marvel shirt today in honor of our episode. So, I mean, I guess between that and I did some work for my Disney cruise this summer because I'm doing a Disney cruise this summer. So That's right, because you are on the Disney cruise this summer, correct? Mm-hmm. I yeah, am. You're going on a river cruise overseas somewhere, somehow? Not a river cruise. It is a, a 10 night. It is mm-hmm. um, Norway, uh, Iceland, three stops in Iceland. It is, well, uh, Cherbourg, France. So we're going to check out Normandy. Um, Ends in Denmark. So it starts in Southampton and then Mm -hmm. ends in Denmark. We definitely have to, you need to bring your microphone. We can do a live cut in with you in Iceland. Let's not do it from the beaches of Normandy. That seems disrespectful, but you can still call in from Iceland. We can do a a spot that that would be great. That would be fantastic because Iceland (laughs) is one of the like 30 or 40 countries that we haven't gotten a listener from yet. So we need to, we need need to tag it. Absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe uh, as a whole, because this week, yes, it, 
this is released on a Thursday, so it's May the 4th. May the 4th, May the 4th be with May you. May the 4th be with you. But also, this is kind of a big week for Marvel because just this week alone, we celebrated the anniversary of Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, which is 2015, Iron Man 2008, Iron Man 3 2013, Avengers 2012, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 2017, and of course, again, on release day, Guardians Volume 3, uh, Captain America Civil War on 2016, Thor 2011, and Iron Man 2 2010. So this entire seven-day period, every day has at least one Marvel movie that was released over the last several several wow. years last decade or so including the kickoff of the mcu that would be iron man 2008 and i thought this would be a great conversation to have about the whole of the marvel universe and all the films uh personally the first three phases i think were just incredible that's your iron man mm-hmm. all the way up to avengers uh infinity war and endgame um you know phase four kicked off with with no way home and you kind of got the after effects of everything uh, my personal opinion that what marvel did in that 10 to 12 year span is the greatest achievement in movie history, bar none, because of what they managed to do over made you care about all these characters spanning 12 years. They gave you what you committed for 12 years to, to 22 movies, all these characters. Some movies were great. Some were not as great, but you still were okay with it because it told part of the story. Um, I, I just believe that, that and it will never be done again because now the audiences are smart enough and wise enough to like look for things that are coming, which I think totally different conversation but i think that's what dc has a problem with is they can't emulate what marvel did they try they mm-hmm. failed miserably they're trying again but now we're all like we're looking for stuff like we see a movie we're like okay i'm looking for clues i gotta have clues what's going on <clears throat> that's the problem so i thought steve would be good to come on and ha- talk about it as well because steve's a marvel guy and he's a comic book guy and mm-hmm. mcu guy as well um so steve i'm gonna ask you to kind of kick it off your your mcu history coming into the mcu were you a comic book guy growing up were you a marvel guy growing up favorite characters that kind of thing what led you into the mcu and made you so passionate about it um i was definitely a a comic book kid growing up i was uh introduced to all of the superhero things my introduction to superheroes was through television and film so on on the tv side you had the old incredible hulk tv show back in the late 70s into the early 80s you had the cartoons, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. There was an Incredible Hulk cartoon. There was, uh, and this is all in the early 80s, you had your super friends, you know, on the DC side of things. And, of course, Superman the movie with Christopher Reeve and Superman 2 were yes. on constant rotation. This. We recorded those off of the ABC movie of the week, you know, and so <laughs> you know, I wore out a videotape yep. uh, with, with those movies. Love, love, love them. And I really didn't get into comics proper until I was a, a 10 or 11 years old and and started with Marvel. And uh, I remember even as like a 10 or 11-year-old kid walking into a bookstore that sold comics and seeing a, a Superman comic, not knowing what was going on at the time over in the DC mm-hmm. universe, but seeing a Superman comic where I just kind of flipped through and at the end, Superman is in a lip lock with Wonder Woman. And this is how quickly my geek brain tur- turned on and became, you know, this was the nascent version of the Internet in my life. Right. I looked at it, I said, well, Superman's supposed to be with Lois, not Wonder Woman. And I put it down. I said, I'll never read a DC comic. <laughs> and um, and I went full Marvel from that point. Um, I, there, oh when I was in fifth grade, like 10 years old, our library had had some books that uh, – were basically like the secrets, you know, the secret origins and the secret tales of, um, of the Incredible Hulk was one. Oh wow! Um, the the Fantastic Four was another, mm-hmm. and then Captain America was the third. These were the ones that my library had in my little school, and I 
checked those out and absolutely got turned on to the comics. Mm. Um, my favorite, of course, being the Incredible Hulk. Always loved the Hulk. Right behind him, neck and neck, Fantastic Four uh, were my jam. And, you know, I, of course, I love Spider-Man. Of course, I, I just I was a Marvel kid. And so I, you know, got caught up in all of the different things that were going on. Now, this is right leading right before the 90s. So right as mm -hmm. the big comic book boom is about to happen. Never really cared for the X-Men. I felt like they were too convoluted. And I, every time I picked up a, mm -hmm. an X-Men comic, it was hard to get into. And of course, everyone loved Wolverine. So I, I, my little hipster self, I'm like, no, nah, I don't like Wolverine. He's too popular. <laughs> he's too commercial. You know, I'm Hulk all the way. He's the he's the original antihero. So I'm I've been along for this ride uh, mm -hmm. from the days of the Fantastic Four movie that never got released. Mm -hmm. You know, the Captain America um, uh, movie that went straight to video. It's know? on Prime, by the way. Amazon Prime. It just hit Amazon Prime. The early early nineties. <laughs> Jen, it's it's magnificent. It's so it, bad. Is it though? so? It's, it's so bad, but it's so simple, and it's in its premise and how they put it together. Like they had no money, so everything's practical. Most things are practical, and it's just like it's like a home, a really really good home movie, yeah. and it's really worth a watch. It, it is very much worth. All a watch. right, you got an extra hour and a half sometime. Yeah, but those were. I mean, those kinds of things were the things we looked out for, and you know, meanwhile on the big screen, you had Batman you know doing his mm -hmm. thing right on from 89 into the late 90s and everyone mm -hmm. said 97 after batman and robin well the superhero movie franchise is dead and they tried really tried during the 90s to have some type of superhero especially as you moved into the late 90s superhero comic book mm -hmm. you know surge into the cinema right. and it just continuously fell flat because the people who were kind of in the studios at the time weren't really trusting the source material they mm -hmm. wanted the intellectual property but they didn't trust fully the source material and that's why when you finally get to 2000 of course you had blade in 99 mm -hmm. but most people didn't realize he was a comic book character i i think i didn't know that right and, now and so. i don't think he was really like made to be part of a comic book universe of any no, no, kind it was just all. a vampire no, story no. is all it was well this is so. the thing like marvel at the time was Marvel, you know, they yeah. were Marvel mm -hmm. Entertainment Group. Yep. And and Marvel Comics had been bought in in early you know, years prior and mm -hmm. restructured into um Marvel Comics licensing or something. And then um they began to grow. Like Marvel really, especially mm -hmm. because of the comic book boom of the early nineties, really began to grow. And so they bought out Fleer, the the, the trading card mm -hmm. company. They eventually bought Toy Biz, the toy company. And um, and they had their television division over here. They had this going on over here. And they were outsourcing all of these heroes, all these intellectual properties to various um, studios. Hulk was had been, I guess, perpetually under the Universal banner. Right. So mm -hmm. that's when Spider-Man got Sony, and that's when 20th Century mm -hmm. Fox got X-Men, Fantastic Four. Yep. So it, but it was just like, but it was a mess because they were doing these contracts, these contractual things with these companies, in perpetuity as long as there was something in development right and so this is why spider-man throughout the 90s it was always like well he's here he's doing this this is james cameron at one point was attached to a spider-man property all this different stuff yeah. went on and so when marvel started to kind of crash a little bit toward the late 90s because of the big bust of the bubble that had happened um they really focused back in on their production they on their on their comic book publishing and they really kind of 
tried to hone in on getting all of their IPs out there with stuff. And so really the first step into that was X-Men back in the 2000s. And then when Spider-Man hit in 2002, we were off to the races, superhero. And so then you have this mini superhero boom throughout the early 2000s. And that brings us in, and that brings us to 2008. Marvel. Well, I think though, I think you, 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 it would be hard. You, you're leaving out kind of the middle of that point where we did have the the X Men and the Spider Mans, right? But then we had Elektra, and then we had Daredevil, and well, then we had the Fantastic Four attempts, the and thing, like, yeah, yeah, yeah they kept crashing and burning. You had Angley's Hulk, which was, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you sensitive Hulk. Better, you hated it. You had <laughs> yep. everybody whispers Hulk. You know, yep. you did have Daredevil. That's what I'm saying is you had an attempt to really push things, <laughs> right? But you also on the Marvel side of things, you had all of these properties out there. In 2005 and in 2006, you had Batman Begins and then Superman Returns. One was yes. very well received. The other wasn't well received at all. Right. So Warner Brothers is like, okay, Batman's our nest egg. We've still got to figure out right. Superman. And and Which they still haven't Marvel, figured out yet. I was going to say. <laughs> right. Marvel had all these IPs out to all these different companies, but there were a few that they had under their own banner. And so they decide, let's create a studio this is Avi Arad Kevin Feige and several others you know let's let's make our own studio and this is a year before Disney bought them so they're working with other companies including Paramount which I believe they had like a five or six film deal with to do Iron Man and other films and so so they took and they and so when they when Iron Man comes out in 2008 there's a couple of things to understand about that character and about what's going on and that's why I've just rambled on and taken this podcast <laughs> all of a sudden. um Iron Man, you are Steve Glosson for a reason. Iron Man, though known to comic book readers and stuff, to the casual audience, there's no idea who Iron Man is. He's right. a C-list character on 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 most people's radar. And so when John Favreau and company go to take on Iron Man, um, you know, it it's kind of like what this is the best we've got. I would have as as a fan said at least we should probably start with Captain America. That's mm-hmm. probably, we should probably start with this, but they said, no, let's start with Iron Man. And with Iron Man in 2008, also remember in 2008, the Dark Knight was on the horizon. Oh, so you're talking right. about Heath Ledger's Joker. You're talking about another Christian Bell, Batman, mm-hmm. you know, you're, uh, Chris Nolan, all this stuff is happening. I remember it was like this perfect time for people like me because it was almost the geek renaissance. Yes. Yep. Because I couldn't believe they were going to do an Iron Man movie. And and I couldn't believe that, that you know, here comes the Dark Knight with this Joker. And, and by that time, you know, by the time everything's starting to really happen and ramp up, we've seen a trailer. We've seen this. And then, you know, Indy, Indy 4 was coming out. Regardless of what you think of that, you know, you still had an Indiana. It was going. still a big deal. That's yep. it, it was still a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And so... And then I, for me personally, I also knew that it, this was May in June. Here comes the Hulk. Here comes the Incredible Hulk. And and just from the teaser alone, I knew in my heart of hearts that this is going to be better than what was done a few years prior mm-hmm. with Lee's Hulk. And so I'm just like living in. I had started Geek Out Loud a few months prior in, in 2007, and I'm like, well, this is perfect. You know, now <laughs> we're off and running. And man, what Marvel did, what Marvel Studios, I should say, did, Kevin Feige and company and John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr., to solidify Iron Man as an A-list character. 
under the Marvel banner was absolutely magical and and it and and here's the thing it wasn't lightning in a bottle right favreau i really feel like favreau knew we need robert downey jr to do this and everything else is ancillary it it really is the the combination of favreau and downey jr that make that movie so well you could have had i love gwyneth but you could have anyone as pepper potts we saw with Terrence Howard that you could have anyone as Rhodes, you know, <laughs> right? Don Cheadle comes in, <laughs> in Iron Man two to be Rhodey, and so it really, it really comes down to this whole idea of can't believe they're doing Iron Man. And the thing is, and here's the thing about this connected universe, and I think people forget this as well: throwing Nick Fury in at the end in the post credit sequence, mentioning the Avengers Initiative, which was what was happening in the comics at that time. That phrase mm-hmm. was in the comics was just a pipe dream kevin feige was playing the what if we did this game they wanted to move Mm. to an avengers kind of movie but they wanted but they there were a lot of pieces at play and so yeah so to think of that 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 this happens 15 years ago and it and it begins something that no and i agree with you david no one had ever seen anything like this before i think i think the most impressive feat of film before this was pulled off over the course of those 11 or 12 years was probably the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I love that one. I love that. And and I think that when this began to happen, that there was something very special about it. You know, you follow up with the Incredible Hulk, and I think the Incredible Hulk gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. I think it gets a bad rap because um, there was a bad taste in people's mouth about the Ang Lee situation. And so they didn't really go. And then you had well, people didn't buy into Edward Norton either because he didn't get along with the directors, and he was kind of he's known as kind of a Hollywood diva when he's on set. And so you know I don't think people bought him as well. But the publicity of that that wasn't the publicity that was out there at the time. At the time, the publicity was Ed Norton loved the old Incredible Hulk television show. Right, and there was a lot of love for the old Incredible Hulk television show that was seen in that movie that was not seen in Ang Lee's film. And so to mm-hmm. me, that in, that endeared that movie a lot to me. But I think a lot of audiences, I even heard some people say, well, I don't want a digital Hulk. It needs to be a man like Lou Ferrigno was, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, you don't get the character then, you don't understand. <laughs> and I just right. really feel like they, they did something really special. Mm-hmm. And then to have Stark show up at the end, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, this is, because that was not a Paramount film. That was a Universal film. Right. Mm-hmm. So to have this character from this Paramount distributed films show up in a universal film that I don't know how much more special you get than that when it comes to, to cinema. That's like something that had never been done before, you know, mm-hmm. to have to have a character crossover from one, you know, dis, dis, distribution company to another simply because it's all under the banner of this one little independent studio. And I say little, but you know, I mean, it really yeah. was at the time. And like you said, then in 2009, Disney bought them and, and that was the real question mark then for a lot of people. What are they going to do with the comics? But to me, it was like, well, how is this going to play out now in these films that they're wanting to connect? Hmm. And I think that even is a is a is a bigger story is is how Disney allowed this thing to go forward with Feige at the at the helm. I have talked. Well, and it also it also gave yeah. us something that, that nobody had really expected either. And again, this is back to where audience are now trained mm-hmm. to do this. 
I missed the stinger at the end of the original Iron Man the first time I saw it because nobody thought to stick to the end of the credits. We just the movie was over and like we saw maybe some animation during the credits and we left. And of course, so I missed it. I had to go back and see Iron Man again just so I could see that stinger. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it became this reputation of like at the end of Iron Man 2, I think there was Thor's hammer mm-hmm. and people went nuts. And then we had Thor or Captain America come up and then the, the, the Tesseract, the Cosmic Cube was at the end of that movie. And so everyone had a stinger leading to the next film. It was almost like Pixar when they were putting Easter egg for the next film uh, yeah. in, somewhere you had to yeah. find it. That's exactly what it was. And you well, knew to stay. Yeah, it was really special. I, you know, we'd heard the rumors of stay after the credits, you know, mm-hmm. people were following it real mm-hmm. closely. And, and so I did stay. And, you know, um, when you get to Incredible Hulk, the whole scene with Tony Stark and Thunderbolt Ross in the bar was supposed to be a post credit scene. But for fear that people would not go see the Incredible Hulk, they actually put Tony Stark a little bit of that scene in a trailer to get people to go because Iron Man had been so popular. Yeah. So they put it before the credits. And then like, you're right, Dave, the, at the end of Iron Man two was um, Thor's hammer at the end of Thor was the Tesseract. And then yep. at the end of Captain America, they literally did a trailer for the Avengers. Yes. Um, yep. And the button of that was, was literally a trailer <laughs> for the Avengers. And, and like by that time, though Disney was was the owner of Marvel Entertainment Group. They were they were they were the owners of all of this stuff. Now they still, as you said, there was a contractually obligated with Paramount for like the number of movies through. I guess the Avengers, right? But it it's just it, you know that first phase was just so amazing, and it, because again, you're dealing with really the only character that's in. To in my and and I and I don't think I'm wrong. I guess Captain America is really kind of in the public zeitgeist a little bit because, you know, he's that remnant from World War II and he really was around. Mm-hmm. The comics really were around back then and everything. And I think if you showed someone a picture of Captain America back in those days, they might have been able to come up with Captain America. Right. The Hulk, they mm-hmm. definitely would have known who the Hulk is, though. You know, the Hulk because of the successful television run, somehow he stayed in the pop culture, not as much as a Spider Man. But quite frankly, Thor and Iron Man, like to try to build a franchise around those, you just can't. It, it's it's it, it's really unfathomable that they were able to do that. But then throw in the characters of Black Widow and then Hawkeye and the Avengers and to see those characters kind of come to such prominence and popularity. It really shows you that they were doing things with these characters very well. And these are characters that have been established, you know, at that point for 40, 50 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And and. And and they've worked for that long. They've stayed around. They might not have their own titles necessarily in the comics, but they've been a constant presence throughout. Mm. And 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 I think that's kind of the thing as a geek and a comic book fan that was frustrating with television properties and movie properties leading up to that point is trust the source material because it's been around for this long. Obviously, it has some appeal, not just to a niche market. And um and 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 I mean, we've seen that it did indeed have that, you know. And then once you get the Disney marketing machine behind everything, takes off. You, so you get all the adult Disney yeah. fans in there who never cared about a superhero in their life, and suddenly because, Aunt literally, and I had friends that were this way, literally because the Disney name became attached, they wanted to get caught up, and right, and go on that ride. 
So, Jen, and, and I'm going to assume that you are not a comic book girl when you grew up. And the only reason I say that, not because girls can't do comic books, but because you and I have never talked about you giving, being at a comic so book. So, I got um, a pile of secondhand comic books from a friend, but it was like Richie Rich. It was like mm-hmm. um, some of those. Like some of those. <laughs> so, and I enjoyed yep. those right. comic books, you know, growing up, but it, it wasn't like I was going out collecting comic books right. um you mentioned you'd mentioned the superman movie i totally watched those um mm-hmm. you know back in the day batman and robin cartoons on what whatever was that saturday morning cartoons i don't remember regardless Probably. They yeah been, they would have been definitely they showed up on scooby-doo one time you know mm-hmm. yeah because i watched those. Scooby-Doo. so you know absolutely um it's you know batman of course because mm-hmm. of when i grew up i totally knew of all of that but you know i remember when iron man like was hit the theater. She said, was that 08? You said, yeah. mm-hmm. I was yep. like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, all right. They, uh, I don't know. Like, and then everyone you, was like, oh my gosh, Iron Man. You'd heard of Captain America though. Correct. I mean, I'm oh, guessing. Yes. You, yeah. You and okay. So, and I watched, um, agent Carter mm-hmm. obsessed with agent Carter, which, so, I mean, I knew who Captain America was. I knew like vaguely right. he was a comic book character. I could not have told you much about other than just like the basic, you know, you, want, you watched Agent Carter before you saw these other movies. One hundred percent. I watched Agent Carter. Before she hasn't seen all of them yet. She has not seen. And I still haven't scene, seen all so. the Marvel. And I enjoy the big them every ones, time I watch yeah. them. But I've I've seen mm-hmm. I've seen the big ones. Mm-hmm. I will admit to I've not seen a Spider-Man since the Kirsten Dunst one. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? Two thousand. That's right. You haven't seen any of the Spider-Mans, have you, Jen? You would love those movies you would absolutely sure fall would. in love with I all just... three of them including the but last like, one no way home you will you because will be i think like i watched this when i was in like in college or whatever and i was right. like yeah they're fine so like i mean when they started putting them out again <laughs> under the marvel universe i was like yeah. i mean okay like they were fine like i don't need to go see them like those were fine i didn't like i didn't dislike them <laughs> my uh my comic book history basically comes in three phases I, when i was a kid i bought uh, X-Men and I bought uh, like Fantastic Four and I had the X-Men versus the Avengers like the four limited issue limited yeah. series when they tried to arrest Magneto and had all those um, and I you know I had, I had Return of the Jedi comics and I had uh, Shazam and I had Superman 100 page you know the 100 page guides they used to have and mm-hmm. had a bunch of those I still got those uh, and then I went for a long time without buying comics and then when X-Men came into theaters I thought this was fantastic so I went back into buying comics this is after I graduated college was living on my own had a job at Starbucks and my full-time job so I had cash to burn so i was going in every week dropping 40 bucks a week on buying like everything i could find spider-man and fantastic four x-men and i'm <laughs> buying this and i'm buying issue number one of that and just these limited series whatever i have i have district x when the x-men were detectives and the, under the quote-unquote marvel knights the more like grown-up series i have the entire series of that <laughs> don't ask me why never read it I've got thousands of comic books uh and then of course they i kind of grew out of it i got married my wife's like why do we have all these? I'm like, I don't know. I'll stop buying them. Um, and then in recent years, I've kind of picked them up just all along the special issues. Like I rebought the when Fantastic Four came back, I kind of repurchased those. I've been going back and trying to to fill in the holes. I have everything. I'm trying to fill in everything from X-Men 100 to the end of its major run and Fantastic Four 100 to the end of its major run. I've got a lot of a lot of those comics. I'm filling holes in whatever. But for the MCU, I was one of those. I didn't enjoy Ang Lee's Hulk. I just didn't care for it. Uh, um I saw Iron Man 
at the theater and I was like, and I knew who Iron Man was because I was also a big Ultimates guy. Okay. Now, for the audience who doesn't know, the Ultimates came out in the early 2000s. It was a series mm -hmm. of comics. It was almost like a parallel world to the regular Marvel Universe. The Ultimates had a different different style, a different art style, different yeah. storytelling style. And they basically, like, Spider-Man had had an Ultimate, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, ult the Ultimates, which was like the Avengers and the Ultimates right. era. Mm -hmm. uh, Captain America was in that. Um, and they basically started from issue one with origin stories. And so it was almost like an intro for anybody who wasn't following along a 50 years of Spider-Man, you could pick up Spider-Man Ultimate Spider-Man number one, start from the beginning when he gets bit by the spider. That's when they introduce the Green Goblin, they introduce all the, the villains, whatever. And this is the Ultimates is actually kind of what a lot of the MCU pulls from, including the famous story that when they made Nick Fury, who was used to be an old white guy, right. um, they turned it into an African-American character. They called Nick, Samuel L. Jackson and said, hey, we want to base this character on you. And he was like, absolutely. They did it in the That's comics. Awesome. So then when they needed Nick Fury for the, the cinematic universe, they called Samuel L. Jackson and was like, hey, could you play this character that we based on you in the comics? <laughs> <laughs> Which worked out. And honestly, when I remember reading Tony He's Stark, a great character. Ultimate <laughs> Iron Man and seeing the character, I'm like, that looks like Robert Downey Jr. This is like 2003. Robert Downey Jr. That like looks a lot like him. So when I heard he had been cast as Iron Man, it was a big deal. I was like, this is perfect. Um, and we have to remember, too, that Iron Man or uh, Robert Downey Jr., had a very up and down career. The '90s, a lot of it was spent in rehab. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was spent in jail. He was a C-list celebrity in the early 2000s. He made a few movies here and there. He came out with a very acclaimed but not very well seen "Kiss Kiss Bang Bang," directed by I believe Shane Black, um, who did the Lethal Weapon movies and is a famous director. Great movie, little scene, whatever. And they they cast him for this. And apparently, what I've read, actors like Clive Owen, George Clooney, Timothy Oliphant, Sam Rockwell, they were all considered for Tony Stark. But John Favreau wanted Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Brought him in, team up. I mean, it's it's and there you go, match Correct made. Call. Well, that was the right call. And and you're 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 dead on. Early on with the Marvel stuff, with starting with Iron Man, they leaned heavily. They pulled heavily from um, the the ultimate. What's called the Ultimate Universe. Yep. Um, and and for good or for ill, it was a great experiment by Marvel because they were able to retell these characters and redesign them and make them really what the, for what they thought were more modern sensibilities. I wasn't the biggest fan of the storytelling of mm -hmm. the style of the style of storytelling that was done, especially with Spider-Man, because it seemed like he would always build up to a cliffhanger and then there'd be no payoff in the next issue. Like in we, it, what, what came out of that was what we call decompressed storytelling where mm. every little detail is on the page, but nothing ever really moves along. When the Ultimates came along, they really wanted to make that comic more grown up and everything. And there's mm -hmm. a whole joke with Hulk after Freddie Prince and that sort of stuff. But um, but Captain America, even the initial Captain America design in uh, in Captain America: The First Avenger is based on heavily on the Ultimates look mm -hmm. for Captain America. Uh, the uh, yeah, the Nick Fury thing definitely out of, right right out of the Ultimates and in that sort of thing. So. Um, the other thing they were doing was, is you could see, like I say, the, the term Avengers Initiative, that was right out of the comics. Um, there were a lot of things that were done that were straight out of the comics. You know, they were pulling here and there of, of the more modern sensibilities. And that's one of the things that kind of gave me kind of a little bit of concern because I was like, eh, I wasn't really thrilled with what was happening in modern comics at the time. And, no, and nothing's changed. Uh, but, um, but, but I was, I was, you know, but I was still there for it. And, and you're right. Like Favreau fought for Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. And, and, 
and it, because he knew that's why that's why I say I think that that the that every success the MCU experienced beyond mm-hmm. that it stands on the shoulders of Favreau and 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 Downey mm-hmm. Jr. because well, when it's what's funny is John Favreau was a comic actor. And so when he was cast to direct right. Iron Man, like all of us were like, he was in Four Christmases. He was in Couples Retreat, which, by the way, is Jen's which favorite is movie. my favorite movie. Uh, you know, Swingers, movie like that. And I'm like, he's going to be directing this Marvel. OK, of course, for those anybody, nobody, if you're not paying attention, he's the same guy that went on to basically co-write and direct The Mandalorian. And he's kind of the backbone behind mm-hmm. that entire thing. For good or for bad, season three, that's all mm-hmm. John Favreau. Uh, he and Robert Downey Jr., by the way, are now Disney legends as of 2019 um, mm-hmm. because of what they did for for cinema. But uh, but yeah, with Favreau directing, now we could obviously spend all day on Iron Man, but I want to kind of run through. Uh, phase one was Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger, and then, of course, the Avengers, which I watched recently, not too long ago. It was on TV, and I scrolled mm-hmm. past it and ended up watching the entire thing. And it holds up. Joss oh. Whedon directed. Whether you, some people love him, some people don't. He directed it. It's very much his style. Um, and it was just this incredible movie that like should not work because you've got all these people, yeah. these cartoony people dressed up in costumes, doing you know battling in Manhattan against these space villains. And Loki, mm-hmm. Loki's a terrible villain, by the way. He's his plans are awful. They don't work. None of them work. But it's still the whole movie works, and it's a great, great movie. Uh, and I was think. This is my guess, and, and Steve, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. By around between Thor and Captain America, my guess is this is when they started to clue in going, okay, I think we can make this something that's going to – let's tell this story for the long haul. Let's not make this wrap up in the Avengers. Let's make mm-hmm. this something that's going to last uh, and tell a long story. I think by the time they got to Iron Man 2, because Iron Man 2 is really kind of maligned by a lot of folks – I like mm-hmm. it. I like it. Okay. I, I love it. I, I've, I've watched them all. I like it better uh, than three, actually. I say recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, well, because what Iron Man 2 does is it goes a long way to try to connect everything mm-hmm. and get everything else set up. And so that was kind of one of the early criticisms of that film by, by a lot of fans because they, they wanted more of a self-contained story. And that goes back. And that's why I think if you go back and watch it, it really does hold up because now we know what they were doing. Now we right. understand from from the outside looking in what was happening there. Um, so I think by Iron Man two they knew where they wanted to go because Iron Man had been so successful. They understood we could springboard off of this and really and really run with it. Um, one of the things you mentioned, and I and, and I know you want to move on from Iron Man, so I will. But it did. But Iron Man set the tone for so much because Favreau had those comic sensibilities. And because Tony was, or because Robert Downey Jr. was able to pull off being such a terrible, you know, just a, he's not a likable guy. He's not meant right. to be likable. You, everything about Tony Stark is something that none of us would really like or be, but he's so endearing because of his, his sarcasm or anything. So when he makes that turn and he gets earnest about my, these weapons are falling in the wrong hands mm-hmm. and I got to do something about it, you know, he goes on this great arc so that, by the time we get to Avengers, he's still got that that sarcastic edge, that that kind of childishness about him. But he is willing to then, you know, what Cap said is mm-hmm. like, you know, you're you're not going to fall in the grenade, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. he's willing to do that. He's willing to to say goodbye to it all to get the, you know, to keep the nuke from hitting mm-hmm. New York and everything. The other other things that shouldn't have worked were like Thor. Thor should not be a movie that worked for modern audiences, you know, without any understanding of this character to be colorful and big and bold but thor really leaned into 
humor, but not in a way that it was campy. Superhero movies had not been funny without being campy um, mm-hmm. really much at all. You know, even Superman the movie and, and Superman 2, especially when Richard, Richard Lester comes along to direct and Superman yeah. 3, you know, Superman 3 is just the whole opening sequence is camp, camp, camp. Well, it's because uh, it's a Richard Pryor movie with Superman. Richard Pryor and that's, vehicle, yeah. <laughs> yep. And so, but the thing is, is it, I don't think it did it well. And I don't think that Richard Pryor did his stuff well. Oh, yeah. But I don't yeah. think the stuff that, that they tried to do really did well, especially looking back, you know, with 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 better eyesight. But they threaded the needle so well with humor, but getting you to involved in these characters' lives and mm-hmm. I sat and watched the first Thor movie and at the end or or toward the end when he um is you know he's basically gone through this journey of being humbled so that he can rise to be the hero he's supposed to be and that and I I don't know if I was a time and place in my life that sort of, but it resonated so much with me I love the way they told that story and I thought they did it so well and they did a great job of Loki, you you know, you mentioned he's such a bad villain because none of his stuff works out. Well, you hope no villain stuff ever works out. Right. But also, <laughs> Loki was such a great complex character because there are times where he's talking, and he do, and they do such a great job, especially in that first Thor movie, of making you think. Well, I know he's doing this over here, but man, he seems so sincere right here. <laughs> and so you really begin to question his heart and his motives, you know, and mm-hmm. and 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 so. So that, you know, then Captain America was, Captain America was just a great, that first Avenger movie was just so fun and so good. And it was really good. And mm-hmm. it was everything you you want from a Captain America movie, you know, going from the World War II into, you know, the whole ending and mm-hmm. everything. But, um, and then Avengers, I, I remember sitting in my friend Derek and I talked about this, Derek from the Smallville podcast. He said, Derek and I um, were talking about it and he said, I kept expecting them to come and tell us we're not supposed to be here seeing this, that these are things we're not allowed to see on a movie right. screen. Mm. You know? mm. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I was like, wow. And, I, and he saw it, but he got to see Avengers before I did. But when I went to see it, I knew exactly what he meant. The moment that the Hulk had his Hulk out on the helicarrier, and here comes Thor. And I was like, I, it never dawned on me that we'd see Hulk and Thor fight in this movie. And that is right. something I always loved in the comics. That was something that was, you know, so, you know, we got a little bit of that in the Incredible Hulk Returns made for television movie back in 1988. But this was full on, like, full power of cinema. And golly, I was like, I yeah, I'm happy now. And they don't ever have to make another Marvel movie. And this is and this is perfect. But then to have Thanos turn around at the end and give that Thanos smile, you know, I yeah. knew. I knew exactly what that meant. I was ready. I'm like, bring it on. I had to do a little <laughs> research. I had to look it up. Like, okay, I know this guy. Who is this guy? And I had to actually go hit the Googles and look around a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's Thanos. And my wife is next to me going, who is that? I'm like, hold on. I'm looking. Hold on. Hold on. Um, not again, not understanding that this is now a character we're going to see or be referenced or having to deal mm-hmm. with for the next yeah. nine years. I yeah. mean, for the next yeah. eight movies. And of course we get into phase two and I'll run these down real quick. Iron Man three, Thor, the dark world, 
Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man, which a couple of opinions on this. One, I think three, and uh, Iron Man 3 and Thor the Dark World, I think are kind of on the bottom end of most people's Marvel rankings. Um, Captain America, Winter Soldier, I personally believe it is probably one of the one or two best movies, not just superhero movie, but movies at this entire era it is an incredible mm. film, incredible storytelling. And for me, Guardians and Ant-Man were cases that at this point in time, Marvel could do no wrong because they're now giving you characters that either Ant-Man, either nobody's ever heard of or nobody cares about, and Guardians, who nobody had heard of, really, except for diehard comic people, and suddenly you care about them. You care about Scott Lang. Mm-hmm. You care about Scar- Star-Lord and all of these characters to the point where we see, when I watch Guardians you know, Volume 3 tonight... I may cry because of all the rumors that may happen to some of the characters. We don't, we, you know, don't know. Oh my gosh. You can't know. And you can't spoil <laughs> because I'm going to like, I struggle because I love the guardians. I mm. loved one and two. Like I, those, those, yeah. those were, I will tell you, those were the first two I watched. I watched guardians okay. of the galaxy one and two. That was an intro. That's a great intro too, because that just shows you the power of what they were able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? When was the last time, by the way, I, w- I want to address the guardians <laughs> thing because it's so yep. interesting. But but Dave, when was the last time you watched Iron Man three? It's been probably it came out in twenty thirteen, May third, twenty thirteen. This week actually, uh, probably seven eight years. I think I watched it maybe pre COVID, but not right. since then. It's been a long I, time. I watched. I, I forget why I was watching through, but just I guess for the heck of it. But I was Iron Man three was my least favorite of all the MCU films, mm-hmm. and really it all hinges on the reveal of the Mandarin not being the Mandarin. And I was just so ticked about that in, in the moment that it ruined the whole movie for me Hmm. to go back and watch. It is Shane black doing Shane black stuff. It is lethal weapon. It is, Mm -hmm. it really is a good movie and it's a good Iron Man movie. And, and I, I think that because of the twist that got thrown in there, it really messed a lot of people's opinions up on in, mine included. Um, I maintain that Thor the Dark World is nowhere near as bad as people say it is. It's not terrible. It's better than most DC movies. I will say that. I, I, <laughs> I think that that their characterization of um, Christopher Eccleston's character was not great because that's mm-hmm. a character that's supposed to be almost Jokerish in the way that he presents in the comics. And um, and so I, I feel like had they leaned a little more into a little more psychosis, a little more, you know, his motivation is just is really kind of in, in some ways Thanos's motivation kicked up a notch. You mm-hmm. know, he wants to just turn the whole universe into darkness. And so and, and Thor is the one to stand between him and that. And, and then the stuff with Loki, that's what I think Thor more than Avengers and more than the first Thor, I think Thor two is what really established Loki is so beloved in everyone's hearts because Loki really shines in that right. movie. Um, <laughs> you know, and then Guardians. Well, Winter Soldier. I said the minute I got out of Winter Soldier, this is the best superhero it's sequence. So good. Since it's Super so good. And it and and it holds up. It's a great mm-hmm. spy thriller. It's there's so much good about that movie. But Guardians was the one. Jen, that I was like as a fan, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy from way back. The, okay. The Guardians of the Galaxy that I knew originally were actually characters from the future in the Marvel in the Marvel comics. Uh, and they're completely different than the Guardians we got on screen. 
These Guardians actually were the result of a big comic book event that took place. I think it was Annihilation, where this band came together with Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon. Mm -hmm. In fact, the first comic I ever had in my collection was the first appearance of Rocket Raccoon in the page. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. So, um, but yeah, so Groot and those guys were all there and Mantis was someone, well, Mantis comes around in two, but I was familiar with that. I thought to myself, there's no way they can pull this off. This will be really the test of. (laughs) Yeah. I thought the same thing. How good Mm -hmm. these films can be. They did from it the trailer from the trailer. It's yep. fantastic. You yep. Know, and to, to set the backstory and Steve, you can also, you can jump in. Jan, you can correct me if I'm wrong here too, but also understand that at the time Disney owned Marvel, but they didn't own all the characters. Like 20th century Fox, right. not owned by Disney, still owned X-Men and Fantastic Four, which is mm-hmm. why you don't hear anything. You don't hear the word mutant anywhere in these movies. Mm-mm. They say inhuman. They say other things, but not mutants. Mm-hmm. Also, Sony owned Spider-Man, so they could not, they had probably started working, trying to figure out how to use Spider-Man, um, but they, they had to do something else, so they could not go back and pull some of these characters in, so they had to kind of dig deep and find characters that that they could make into great cinematic characters somewhere in Marvel, and they pulled out the Guardians of the Galaxy, and in my opinion, my theory is that not a lot of people knew Guardians, so they had a lot of leeway to play with these characters in terms of, because if you had pulled out somebody sure. like Spider-Man, people would be like, you can't do that to Spider-Man, he's Spidey. Guardians, <laughs> like Jen, nobody knew, who you didn't know who Guardians were, so whatever they presented to you on screen, that is who Star-Lord is, that is who Gamora is, and I think they had some leeway there. And also it's important to know in Phase 2, this is where we finally start hearing the word Infinity Stones mentioned because mm-hmm. I believe at the end of Winter Soldier, uh, somebody at the, one of the stingers has, has makes the comment about how we should not keep in, in, Infinity Stones too close together because it might be dangerous. At the end of Age of Ultron that's, is where you see Thanos. Dark World. Yeah, Dark, World. <clears throat> Dark World is where you see Thanos turn around. It's like, okay, I'll you know I'll do it myself. Talking about going to get the Infinity Stones. Um, Wanda and uh, and 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 Pietro are introduced, I believe, at the end of was a Winter Soldier, I believe, in the Stinger. You kind of see them, and they play a big part of of Age of Ultron. Pietro being Quicksilver, which was a X Men character that you can't say the name Quicksilver, so they just use the character and not the name. And so, of course, then we get to Ant Man, which leads into Captain America: Civil War in Phase Three. My personal favorite MCU film is Captain America: Captain America: Civil War. I love the crap out of that movie. I love everything about that movie. I love Hawkeye's my favorite Avenger on screen. Mm-hmm. So I love the Clint Barton aspect of this and how what he gets to do with it. And he saves Wanda, you know, and and uh, what are you doing here? Disappointing my kids. Love that whole line. Um, <laughs> going into Phase Three, and we'll, we'll hop back around as we need to see. But uh, Phase Three, you get the big run of films: Captain America: Civil War, Doctor Strange comes in, Guardians Two, Spider Man: Homecoming. Jen, have you not seen this? Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Black Panther, uh, which we've seen Black Panther introduced with Civil War. Mm -hmm. Avengers Infinity War, which is, of course, where the snap happens. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, varied opinions on that. Avengers Endgame, we all know what happens at Endgame. And the the, kind of the epilogue, Spider-Man, Far From Home. And then we get Black Widow, which begins Phase 4. But that really should have been in Phase 3. But I think they made it just for Scarlett Johansson because the fans wanted it. I like the movie. It, you know, it's very its opinions on that. I like the movie overall. Getting into Phase Three, which again I think completes an incredible run of movies, an incredible feat that the the audience was st- the best theater experience I have ever had in my life. And I've seen thousands of movies, and I've seen hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of them in theaters. Is Avengers Endgame? That was the best mm-hmm. time I've ever had in the theater with any ever. 
Well, I, to go back really quickly to touch on the Guardian stuff with you, Jen, what was it that you liked so much about it when you obviously you didn't know the characters coming in? No, I didn't. But what? Why did you say this is the one I'm going to go see? Oh, so it was, I, and I'm trying to think of what it was because I, I watched it. I did not see it in the theaters. I saw okay. it at home. Mm-hmm. Like, like I put it on Disney. It must have been Disney Plus, right. um, or maybe. It, Unless it was like on Freeform or, you know, like unless it was like on TV It was TV probably or streaming something. somewhere. Um, it, it was streaming. Yeah. Right. It could have been Netflix. Who knows? Yeah. But um, regardless, I think maybe Guardians 2 was coming out and people were talking about it like, mm-hmm. you know, I have some other friends up here who were just like who are Marvel geeks and they loved it. And I was like, OK, right. well, let me go watch Guardians. They're like, you'd love Guardians. I was like, all right. And so one night I had time. And I was like, let me just watch this. So I, why not? I'll enjoy this. Yeah. And I loved like I was sucked in from the beginning. I loved the whole like Walkman thing. I loved the music. I loved yep. the snark and the just kind of like mm-hmm. the, the, like the stupid humor. <laughs> like, yeah, the Chris yep. Pratt humor. Yeah, the Chris yep. Pratt and, and even um oh my gosh why am I blanking uh, Dax like yeah Batista yeah Drax yeah like yeah, Drax, Drax. Yeah. did I say Dax <laughs> yeah what is Dax oh Dax Shepard uh, Drax right <laughs> <laughs> like what, same what thing Dax? you know whatever same no same difference mm-hmm. um. I just thought it was I thought it was hilarious. And I just the whole storyline enthralled me. So then I immediately watched Guardians to or maybe the next night. I watched Guardians too. So I, like I watched mm-hmm. them back course, to back. Of course. Which is then when I was like introduced the Avengers. So I was like, oh, well, I'll go watch the Avengers because the Guardians are in this. So I went and watched the Avengers literally because I just watched Guardians. So that was my order was the first one was Guardians one, Guardians two, mm-hmm. and then the Avengers. And like then the Avengers first Avengers. Two. Like okay. The fir- Avengers like the two. first Avengers. That right. was the order I went. And what's interesting to me is, is, you know, to continue on and say, I want to watch more and more and more lets me know that some of these movies actually stand up on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, when I think about that first Guardians movie, there was a, there was a big load of work to be done with that movie. And really it was introduce these characters, make people like these characters, but we also have to get to know this Thanos threat a little bit better. Right. Mm-hmm. Because Thanos is throughout, mm-hmm. you know, and so we have to get to know him as we're, as we're moving toward what's going on. And, um, and, and I, I, yeah, I, I think, I think they really threaded those needles really well. I think the use of the classic rock and the, you know, mm-hmm. the hits was, was a big thing to, to mm-hmm. be earthbound, you know, yeah. but the, mm-hmm. the, the comic guardians, that group of guardians of the galaxy in the comics, really is a ragtag bunch of people that have come together, you know, just to kind of protect the galaxy from incursions from other galaxies mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And it's it, it's funny because your real comic relief in those comics were Rocket and Groot. Yeah. Everyone else was a little more earnest, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And then, of course, the, the movies began to influence the books a little bit, so everything got a little less earnest yeah. with, with some of those characters. But... um yeah, I I think that's a fun entryway into it because such a it, it is such a fun thing. And then, Dave, you mentioned Civil War being your favorite. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the one I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I honestly feel like that's the one Marvel movie that cannot. It, it's one of the ones that just cannot stand on its own. Oh no, mm-hmm. it can't. Most of them, honestly, most of them can't. I was looking at the list here. Like, if you would just watch Ant Man all by itself. You'd be fine. Doctor yeah. Strange, all by itself, you'd be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, even some of the Thor movies, watch them by themselves yeah. without any other context, you'd be fine. Yeah. Civil War, 
to me, I think for me, it's almost like Civil War to me was a reward. I have yeah. put in so much, so much effort into learning about MCU, stuck with every movie, gone to every opening night premiere, maybe the, the, the early whatever. Civil War was where all the characters came together. And again, mm. there's so many things that could have gone wrong with this movie. Could have been overstuffed. Spider-Man 3 could have been silly and hokey having all these characters interact. And it worked and it just worked. Daniel Brühl's character as Baron Zemo kind of thrown in there was great. Mm-hmm. Black Panther was introduced. You got to see more of, of the redemption arc of, of, of the Bucky, um, Bucky's character, yeah. the Winter Soldier. Uh, and so in, in for me, for Civil War, it was like, OK, now the Civil War is over. Now we're on the downslope. Now things are, this is an avalanche of things that are going to start happening because now the end, we see the end. It's in the future, but we see it coming. We know something's going to happen big involving all of these characters because Civil Wars where they all scatter. And yeah. it was like, this was the last, the, before we got to Endgame, this was the last time they were all together before scattering well, the wind. And, and see, that, and I had no idea they were all connected. Mm-hmm. When I watched First Guardians, I had no idea there was a whole arc going on. I was like, oh, watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, I would love to talk with Kevin Feige just to ask him, how intentional was Civil War as just from a story mm. arc to mm-hmm. Infinity War? The idea of having them all split up and then knowing that they'd be back together in Endgame and that's mm-hmm. how they defeat Thanos. Right. Is, is the idea that they had, you know, stronger together, that sort of thing. Right. Um, but you that, had to split up Tony and Captain America. Yeah. And exactly. you had to have some right. monumental event to split them up. But now, what mm-hmm. happens in the in Age of Ultron led into Civil War right, that right. The, the Accords split them up. They go different yeah. ways, which leads into what happens in Infinity War and Endgame. They're right. separated. You know, that whole thing. You said uh, we, you know, when together we lost. Well, you know, we did that. Whatever. Um, right. So, yeah. I, I, well, I'll tell you this. When I, in the comics, I did not like. Civil War. I didn't like the concept of it. I didn't like what was going on. Oh, I loved it. I did. Um, I I thought that you know I I well I don't like I'm talking about in the comic book st- right. setting right because I don't like heroes fighting heroes mm-hmm. when they're really mad at each other. The 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 Marvel way is there's a misunderstanding when they first meet up and they'll fight <laughs> and then right. they realize they're on the same team <laughs> and then they go and and mm-hmm. and have their and have their adventure. Civil War was we're totally against each other on this political issue, so let's fight it out over this thing. And hmm. you you were forced to pick a side, and in some instances, pick a side against people that you like. Now, for some people, like that's creative and that's great. It really put, but in other, but to me, I'm like it just makes me not want to do it. And they made decisions in the comic book that I I wasn't a fan of. So at the it was D twenty three. And it was um, the Marvel panel at D23 kind of letting us know what was coming down the pipe with um, Phase 3 specifically. And this was when it was still just Avengers 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. I think they might have said at that point Avengers Infinity War 1 and 2, and they didn't. Yeah, it, been, it was going to be broken up mm-hmm. in two parts. But like um. when he was showing the big graphic up there, the first thing that came up was Captain America Serpent Society. And I'm like, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> because the Serpent Society are these obscure villains in for a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. I saw your face, Jen, and I'm like, they're going to do for them what they did for the Guardians, you know. And then he comes back and I was like, well, we got to actually change it. It's a civil war. And I'm in the minority in what I think of civil war. And so, of course, everyone goes nuts. Woo, civil mm-hmm. war. You know, and I was like, okay, you've got to sell me. And, and kudos to them for putting Spider-Man in that initial trailer when he yes. says hi everybody i'm like well i'm there because, <laughs> because right. what was ha- because that and i think that's the other monumental shift in these things obviously the work had been done the groundwork had been laid 
they'd found the loopholes to bring in Pietro, Pietro and, and, and Wanda Scarlet, because they, they kind of straddle two teams, right? They're X-Men and they're mutants, mm-hmm. but they're also Avengers and, and we're first introduced to them in the pages of the X-Men, but they come over to the pages of the Avengers. And so they found the loophole to begin to include these people, to begin to plant seeds for people to begin to demand this. But then to work out a deal with Sony to have Spider-Man on the screen, not that Sony owns the character of Spider-Man, but Sony owns those movie rights. The theatrical rights, right. And and all of these characters that are related to the Spider-Man, you know, character. That's the document I want to see is what characters do they have related mm-hmm. to Spider-Man? Right. What characters do they have related to the Fantastic Four? Um, but you begin to have kind of this idea of like, oh my, because you forgot because the Hulk was so prominent in Avengers and in Age of Ultron, you know, you forgot that that they're working a deal with universal to have Hulk in, in the theaters. Right. And, and so now it's like, well, anything's possible. And then for them to announce that a Spider-Man movie is coming out in the MCU, Sony and Disney working together. I'm like, well, this is, this is unheard of. This is, this is like nothing that's ever been done before. And so there's that extra level of cinematic history being made. You know, forget the fact that what we've basically had is a long-running television show in cinematic form over the course of, you know, ten or eleven years. Now we're making Absolutely. history yep. by hmm. by movie studios combining, and then of course the whole Fox property buyout or whatever that took place a couple of years ago. It's like, oh well, it's on like a whole big old stop, you know, pile of <laughs> now. Yep. We are. Yep, and we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, um, yeah. But as we as we kind of wind like, down here, yeah, I'm like you with in-game. Dave, best one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had. Did, did you see Endgame in theaters? Did you go to the theater like everybody else in the entire free world? Have no, have you seen Endgame? I guess that's I've the seen question. Endgame, okay. but not in okay. theaters. See, here's the thing, and, and and Steve, Jen, and I have talked about going back and doing some episodes, series of episodes, maybe on Patreon, where we watch Iron Man and then Hulk in in order. So Jen will have seen them a lot of these for the first time. Have a discussion about them, Jen. I think the death of Tony Stark will have such a so much more of an impact once you see the entire story. I already struggled. Like I already well, struggled. It'll be even it. worse. <laughs> it'll be even worse for you. But um, in the interest of time, phase one, two, and three, amazing. Although I was relieved it wasn't so. Cap. I was relieved it wasn't Cap. <laughs> well, in the comics, he gets assassinated, by the way. But yeah, well, back, it, as always, so. that, that's why yeah. I that's why I was worried. Because I, <laughs> I didn't read the comments, but people were like, oh, well, he dies in the comics. I'm like, well, I'm not okay with that. Like, I don't uh, want to go see this because so to, I don't watch that. <laughs> To put it in in, in term uh, terminology here, the first three phases, all the films we've talked about here, are the Infinity Saga. The next fa- set of phases are called the Multiverse Saga, and we are in fa- phase four, just completed. We got Black Widow, Shang Chi, and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Spider Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor: Love and Thunder, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, uh, which of course was ultimately completely altered by the death of uh, of Chadwick Boseman, unfortunately. Oh, right, right, right. But this is also where we introduced the TV shows. You had WandaVision and Loki and Winter Soldier um, um, and uh, and Falcon, and you had Hawkeye, which all four of those series I thought were great. But then you had Moon Knight, and you had the Marvel, Miss Marvel, and then you had the other series that came along as well. I, I, I'm not big on Phase 4. I think, for me, Marvel sort of 
didn't exactly know where to go after in-game, so they wanted to bring us new characters, get everybody used to these new characters, so we could start telling you stories, but I'm not sure it worked with all the TV aspects, because a lot of it felt like homework, um, because suddenly mm. now you have to watch, like, I haven't seen any of the Marvels yet, so we got the Marvel movie, the Marvels coming out in this November, and I haven't seen any of the TV show, so now I feel like I have to go back and watch the TV show to watch the Marvels, and so there is some of that, too, that I think for audiences were like, we want to go see a movie once or twice a year, but now we're having to watch TV shows, and now, of course, we're into Phase 5, Ant-Man and, Watt and the Wasp Quantumanium. And of course, the big bad there is Kang the Conqueror, played by the Jonathan Majors. We won't dive into it, but there have been some major legal issues with the Jonathan Majors come up that is, who knows how that's going to affect the rest of the Phase 5, which we're leading into new Avengers movies. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess my question, Steve, is where are we with Marvel and are we okay with Marvel or is it kind of like the MCU maybe kind of kind of a little bit worrisome? What, what do you, what do you think we are with Marvel with MCU? Um, I, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, and I, I want to be careful about where we go here because I don't want to be controversial on your show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that look, it's the comic book boom of the nineties. Yes, it is. It is. This works so well. Let's just pump more and more and more out there. Yep. And what they're pumping more and more of, though, is not what people are buying. If you look at these characters on the stands, on the comic stands, they're not very well received. Right. And they're not well received because many of them are not well written characters. Um, the you know, we don't. You know, obviously, we can't go through and break them down one by one. The the television series were kind of a, a thing all themselves I, when mm-hmm. did, what what actually ends phase four what what are they saying ended phase four be wise uh black panther wakanda forever and i think that was okay. movie and series wise all all around was black panther okay. so so here's my here's my issue with that phase one was ended with the avengers phase two was ended with age of ultron phase three was ended with um you know endgame big big moments that we knew were bringing a conclusion to this particular chapter of the story that wasn't given you know phase four is fizzled out i think i think that's kind of the idea i have a lot of issues with a lot of different things i i think that what we saw in most of the series wandavision was really neat because it was this experimentation of of how we're going to tell the story and you know and and what we're going to do there um i thought that loki was something that people were really looking forward to because of the character of Loki. Um, and that introduced the whole concept of the multiverse, which I think was done very well. Right. We ended up with a finale that was a little too talky-talky and not enough fighty-fighty, I think. <laughs> um, but then beyond that, I think Captain America and Winter Soldier started out great, and mm-hmm. I think it ended great, but I think it was too much in the middle. I think that that should have mer- that merited a movie to tell right. that story. I there think. was a lot they tried to cram in there, a lot of new yeah. characters, a lot of new things they were trying to put they, in there. It just tried, didn't quite but, work. But yeah. in cramming it in, it's like they spread it all out and ended up being spread a little too thin. Um, but, you know, uh, and everything else, I think, really fell flat. Unfortunately, I love Hulk and all of his his related characters. She-Hulk fell very flat to me. Oh, I did not like She-Hulk at all. And, and, I and, thought She-Hulk was terrible. I, it, but it's a show that had so much potential, especially... Mm-hmm in terms of being a Marvel Cinematic Universe show, because She-Hulk really does fit the mold of what had come before in those initial phases with humor and action, adventure, and everything else. And I feel like, I just feel like that 
they're they're trying to reach an audience that doesn't necessarily want to be reached with some of this stuff and um and and so you know my my wife is she was a missionary over in afghanistan for a while mm-hmm. and and she loves the middle east and the culture of the middle east and 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 those people so she really was drawn to the miss marvel story and she said she mm-hmm. really liked it until they were states you know she liked the stuff where they actually end up going to pakistan at some point she's like but when they get stateside and and the focus becomes not superheroing and not her origin it just kind of got tedious you know um mm-hmm. and and i'm afraid that's what's going to happen with maybe even the marvels phase three has just been really really highs and, and really d- lows there hasn't really been an in-between i don't think mm-hmm. i mean phase four, phase four or i mean phase four yeah, yeah. Well, and the problem, Black Widow, obviously, was, I think, fan service. It was, we need to give her a movie. And they should have had it earlier. It actually takes place between Civil War and Infinity War. But you know what? Um, It was good. It was. I thought it was good. I I did. I I did. The problem is the release time. You know, had that actually been one to be able to have a big, wide release. Yeah, that would have been better. I think it would have been more well-served to be on the big screen. Uh, Shang-Chi was good. But it's a character that they haven't talked about at all. Eternals was terrible. Um Spider-Man, Spider-Man No Way Home, I think, was an incredible film. Jen, you're going to cry your eyes out when you see it after seeing the other ones. I thought Doctor Strange was good, but it's divisive. Thor Love and Thunder, I thought, was terrible. Um, yeah. And Black Panther, they, I think Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, they did the best they could with what they had. Um, Here's the thing, you know, Dave. I, you know I, I think if you could resurrect Chadwick Boseman from the dead mm-hmm. and say, do you want them to recast or do you want them to act like, I think he would say recast. I think he would say this character has to be bigger than me. Right. And I love Chadwick Boseman. I, I did thought too. he was perfect. I've loved. He Chadwick was fantastic. I, mm. I've loved him in everything. I've never seen Chadwick Boseman in a role that he was not. Mag- He's the first person I understood magnetism and just being yeah. being drawn toward on screen. He would have won an Oscar. He, he would have flat out so won an well. Oscar. So. Um, but but I, they should have recast and then. There's other stuff they did that just offends my comic book geeks. <laughs> Namor, I understand what they were doing with Namor and why they wanted to do that and 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 put that in like an Aztec culture kind of thing, but that's not Namor the Submariner. That his his skills, his powers, his origin, everything is completely different than Namor the Submariner, who is actually from the comics, and and I just. I know again, I know why they did it, and that's fine. The look and everything was cool enough. I like what they did with Atlantis. I like what they did with the fights. A lot of the technology and stuff was really cool. But man, Wakanda Forever was just a big downer. There it, it was all yeah. it was. It was just well, downer. the death of Chad of, of Chadwick Boseman, his character was all through it. It just they weaved yeah. it. But there's I felt like Marvel had a no-win situation. If they recast it, you'd have just as many people going, You should have left that character alone. You should have done something else with the character, not recast. I mean, there mm-hmm. was really they chose a path, they well, went with it. You know, it could right. be, you know, give or take. I don't know. I don't if know. I'm, if I'm in charge, though, I, I halt production on that. We find a character. We move it back in the schedule mm-hmm. so we can make the best movie we can bringing the bringing the Black Panther around. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, and, and honestly, honestly, I feel the same way about the characters that we spent over a decade getting to know. You've got to not kill off Iron Man. You've got to yep. if, if Tony if if Robert Downey Jr. is not going to do it anymore, we've got to recast him. If right. if Chris Evans is not going to be Captain America anymore, we've got to recast him. These characters 
are meant to go on perpetually. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, yeah, you're going to stumble a little bit here and there, but it's just like the James Bond movies. At some point, these got these actors will get locked into these characters and be accepted right. by this generation or that generation. Right. So, mm-hmm. But I'm like you, I think it's, I'm hoping they can write the ship. I don't know that the Marvels is the vehicle to do that with. No. Um, and I, I think I, if they can hold on and the, if they can get the Fantastic Four right, mm-hmm. I think everything will be forgiven. Absolutely. I think everything coming up, uh, we've got the Marvels coming up in November, Captain America, New World Order, which is, where, of course, where Sam Falcon, Sam Wilson takes on the role of Captain America. Mm-hmm. Thunderbolts, which is going to be, from my understanding, it's a group of the, this is where you have Winter Soldier, Yelena, which is Black Widow's sister. You may have John Wilson, who was in Captain America, and I'm sorry, Winter, Winter Soldier and Falcon. You have a lot of the 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 miscreants and the outcasts coming together for whatever purpose. And then we bring in Blade, the Vampire Hunter, which is an odd choice, but okay. Um, that's Faith cool. Five, as we directed. Um, but I think if they can nail Fantastic Four coming in about two years, I think all will be forgiven. And then I think they'll start introducing the X Men characters and the mutant characters from there. And I think if they can get it right. You know, We've got this whole Deadpool three thing coming about. Yep, yep. You know, that, I think Deadpool they didn't have next year, I believe. So I, I think that's meant to bridge some gaps. So, yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And this is when you know you're bringing over because Deadpool was, I believe, owned by 20th Century as well, correct? And so you're mm-hmm. bringing that character over. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see him mixing it up with some of the other Marvel characters. But yeah. this is a great discussion. We could go on for <laughs> hours. We got to be careful not to here. Uh, great discussion on, on the MCU, kind of where we were, where we're going. I love it. Jen, do you have any MCU questions right off the bat? I mean, off the top of your head, of all the things that we've discussed, holes to fill, things, you know. I mean, whatever. I don't, ju- just as the, as the casual fan, apparently I've really only seen the ones that can stand alone. <laughs> because, yeah, there, there's been, um, but I'm interested now, you know, that it's this the end. So basically mm-hmm. my questions are going to be, assuming we do uh where jen watches the movies it's good okay which mm-hmm. one do i have to watch next <laughs> okay yes. which yep. one which which one comes yep. next all right well, there are direct me. 23 or 24 i believe in the original fa- first three phases so we've got our work cut out for us but you, know, you have <laughs> you have nothing but time jen you have nothing but time you're a travel agency owner host of two podcasts i've got nothing you know, else to do a, a wife good. with a new house you got nothing else going on so sure why uh, Steve, let's. Uh, where where can the audiences find you in your conglomeration of podcasting? Well, the truth is, there's no conglomeration of podcasts anymore. It's basically <laughs> geek out loud these days, and uh, and it's it's the original. It's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can find Geek Out Loud at geekoutpodcast.com mm-hmm. or wherever you listen to podcasts. Geek Out Loud should be available. We talk about stuff like this. I go on and on. We we recently did. Uh, a March Madness kind of thing with television theme songs and that hilarity ensued and, and we've gotten a lot of great feedback about that. So, mm-hmm. so I think I'm going to do a May Madness now and oh, nice <laughs> with cartoon uh, theme songs and uh, the television show cartoon theme songs. So uh, the, the yeah, fun I'll- thing about Geek Out Loud is you listen to an episode. It might be an hour, hour and a half. It might be three and a half hours. It just depends on who's on. <laughs> They're talking. Listen. Yeah, I'm and Steve is like, I was going to talk. Days. Yeah, I'm from the Wild West days of podcasting back in 2007. <laughs> there were no commercial restraints. There were no, there were no <laughs> goobs. You know, no, no advisory boards. No consultant goobs saying, well, if you keep it to this, people are more likely to listen. Mm-mm. This is a free form. You can pause it. You can listen to it whenever you want to. I can go as long as I want to. And uh, a lot of times, <laughs> yeah, it ends up being probably longer than it needs to be. But <laughs> I have a good time. Jen, where can we find you on the worldwide interwebs? 
You can find me at Jen or my personal Instagram at Jen underscore Novotny. Perfect. Find me at the Magic on a Dollar on Instagram and find me on Facebook at Magic on a Dollar, my Facebook travel page. And of course, um, Disney on a Dollar, my other Facebook travel page. Uh, happy to have, happy to see people on there and engage with people and such. And of course, find us at the MSEpodcast.com. All the show notes will be there. The links will be there. Uh, Steve, this has been a delight. I have loved having you on. I hope you'll be, come back to see us again. Thank you. Another interesting thing to look at is the park rights to all these characters. That's a whole different episode. Whole different episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to, that would be a good episode for the, maybe for the summer because we'll talk about, because as we were talking about movie rights, I was like, maybe we should talk about why Spider-Man is not in the Walt Disney World Park. Mm. Well, no, let's talk about that later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steve, uh, for Jen, I am Dave. And don't forget to thank your Phoenicians. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Electrical Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The MSE Podcast. Or visit our website at themsepodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe. And may all your wishes come true.